good morning. I hope you, everyone had a great Christmas celebrating with family and uh, celebrating Jesus. Also, I hope you got whatever you asked for. Um, I did, so that's good. Although my son is not here yet. So, although I did ask for him not to be here at this time. So, I guess all my, all my wishes came true. I uh, hope you guys had a great time with family. There's a lot of people out today, so uh, that's where most people are. Uh, we have several visitors here, and I've made jokes about announcing everyone, and so I might not do that. But it is so good to have Todd and Don and their family from Tennessee. They're good friends with the Castellanos. He said he was dorm mates with Peter, so for a fee, he will tell you um, incriminating stories on Peter. And then we can, no, I'm just kidding. He did not say that at all. But uh, to make sure you welcome them, the Castellanos are not here today at his family's house. But great to have you guys here. It's great to have uh, all of our college kids still here with us for the most part. It's great to have some significant others with us as well. Saria, it's great to have you here. And uh, it's great to have Lane as well, and also Cassie. I always forget her, so I just had to introduce her again to everyone. So it's so good to have all of you here. It's great to have everyone here and uh, have several announcements. There is, a, there is now, there wasn't last week, but there is now. There's a college basket out in the foyer. For Janae Holden. So there's a list of things. It's right on the table where we have the missionary book. So instead of it being on the wall where you can just look at it right above the basket, it's just to the left. I hope that's not too difficult for us to remember. But it's right there, just, just normal. And then uh, we need to get that filled in by next Sunday. So if you, if you could be so uh, considerate to go look at that list and then get some stuff and then bring it back by next Sunday so we can uh, get it to her as she heads down to Hopetown Bible College. So that has to be next Sunday, January 7th. Also, on January 8th, the Monday following that, we will be starting 21 days of prayer and fasting with the Bible Methodist uh, Connection of Churches. And so if, if you will be interested in that, there will be more things coming on that on Facebook. Also, uh, from here, from Pastor. So just keep that in mind. That is right around the corner. And then we have no service tonight, but we are back Wednesday night. So that's all things. Youth, kids, main service in here. So that is this Wednesday. We are back uh, on Wednesday night schedule. And then this is very exciting, the board game night, January 12th. I probably won't be there. That's the due date for the child. But um, I wish you the best, someone to dominate someone else and to win and have bragging rights. So check Facebook, talk to Jen Moke about what to bring, what you can bring, and uh, I encourage trash talk and smack talk because I won't be there. So pastor has to deal with it all. Okay, but that is January 12th. Oh, you won't be there either? Oh, oh he's in a revival, so just... Be nice and Christ-like to one another. So that is uh, January 12th. <laughs> you should always be Christ-like, right, Pastor? Yes, I agree. Amen, amen. So that is January 12th at 7 p.m. in the fellowship hall. So uh, the directions say get out of the house during these gloomy winter days and play some games. So that's what you should do and win while you're at it. So that is January 12th, 7 p.m. And check Facebook or talk to Jen for what you can bring. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege we have of being in your house. We thank you, Lord, for all of your blessings, Lord, for our family and wonderful gifts that we received at Christmas time. But, Lord, we are again reminded over this last several weeks, Father, of the gift that you gave in your son Jesus to us. And, Lord, we still celebrate that even today. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless this morning and all that we do and say that will honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning on this New Year's Eve day. I love him this morning so much. I'm sure we all do. This, looking over this last year, I'm sure each one of us can attest to the fact that there's been some rough times that we've gone through, both probably personally in our country and just all different aspects of our lives. But I'm so glad 
that we have a Father in heaven who's watching over, who's in control, and our faith can rest in him. So all of our songs this morning are going to be kind of on that theme, our faith, our hope in the Lord, and I hope it uh, touches your heart and gives us encouragement this morning. Let's stand as we sing the first song, My Faith is Found a Resting Place. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor
where you've seen the blood. I'm sorry. Trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, it's not a passive activity when we're serving the Lord. There is a walking. There's a daily communing. There's a daily trusting. And he, our heavenly father, just loves that interaction with us. And when we just step back and think about the awesomeness of his power, the awesomeness of his being, he created the world, he created each one of us. He has given us the opportunity to receive him so that we can spend eternity with him in heaven. He died on the cross for us, just on and on and on that we can go just bragging, praising our heavenly father. It's just so wonderful that we have the privilege of walking with him and all that that entails. So let's sing together. Trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what
Some of them made it uh, today. The other ones are sick now. So uh, Autumn's children are, have what we've all just shared together as a family. Um, besides the gifts, we shared also our flu bug with each other, and that's uh, been part of our Christmas. But anyway, many of that. We had Don had successful surgery. Thank God for that on his shoulder, and is home recovering, and now is in the process of, of rehabilitation, which is going to be more probably difficult than the surgery itself. So we need to be continue to pray for Don and Doris that God will. We'll help them, and maybe we can get back in church um, with all this. Now that he had the surgery, I think his doctor is going to allow him to come back because he was concerned about the flu and all that stuff. So let's continue to pray for them. And, of course, many that are not with us, many that are um, out of town still, traveling mercies, and God would be them uh, with them in a very special way. Let's, let's uh, go to prayer. Father, we thank you again today for the privilege of prayer. We thank you, Lord, that we can come to a God who knows us intimately understands our needs. Lord, that's all a part of, of, uh, uh, of Emmanuel, Lord. That's all a part of the incarnation, you coming to this world to take upon you, Lord, humanity, and to feel what we're going through. And, and, and of course, the temptations that, that we face, you face, Lord, and yet without sin. And Lord, we're so grateful, Father, that you, that you showed that to us um, in your humanness. And we are grateful this morning that you were still without sin. We thank you, Father, that we can follow that same example, knowing we're not divine, understanding, dear Lord, we're not divine, but yet understanding, Lord, that we are human, and as humans, Lord, we can, we can live holy lives. And we thank you for that encouragement uh, that you showed us in your son Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you'll just bless, dear Father, in everything that we do and say this morning that will honor and glorify you. I pray, Lord, that you'll be with those that can't be with us. You know, sickness that, is, that, is, that many are, are dealing with this morning. We pray, Father, you'll touch them, be near to them. Those that are traveling out of town, pray, God, you'll keep your hand upon them and bless them, Lord. We think, dear Father, as we look at the future, we pray, God, that you'll um, help us, oh God, to take serious this time in, in January of, of time of prayer and fasting and preparing our hearts, Lord, for this new year. I pray, Lord, that each one here will take that very seriously, Father, as a goal, as a responsibility. May we see the presence of God in our lives, dear Lord, not only as we come into the place of worship, but wherever we're at on a daily basis. May you have your way, dear Lord, in every heart that is here this morning. Bless in all that we do and say that it will glorify and honor you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
that beautiful uh, offertory. Is this the right one? I hope so. Uh, yeah, there it is. Thank you for those that have filled in this morning. It's our minister of music are out of town, and uh, Pam always does a great job and filled us too. Thank you so much for helping us out. Well, I want to remind you this morning that, that uh, Monday was the first day of Christmas. We're only six days into this wonderful Christmas season. And uh, it won't be over until next Sunday. So our church calendar will celebrate Epiphany. So what is Epiphany? Anybody know? Epiphany is when you take down your Christmas decorations. That's one thing. Another thing is, is when we celebrate the wise men coming to the manger. We also celebrate the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. Um, and so that's what Epiphany is. So decorators, I thought about next Sunday night, we help you take down all the decorations. And I'm sure Dan's saying, yes, very good. Thank you very much. Because he's the guy that has to put it all up in the garage and all that. I'm not sure if we'll do that or not, but I think we should keep them up. Uh, throughout Christmas, right? Nobody's... <laughs> Some of you are going to have your Christmas decorations down so fast tomorrow, your head will spin. And that's probably my wife, okay, that begins that. And it's like, she's ready for it. In fact, and I, I will tell you right now, she starts Christmas in July, always has, and we've been listening to Christmas music since July. And, I, and that's true. And... Um, there's nothing wrong with Christmas songs at all. Uh, I enjoy them, obviously. Uh, I just rather wait a few more weeks or months before I start singing them or hearing them. But now I noticed on, on Tuesday morning um, that there was no more Christmas music in the house. I mean, we already shut it off. Like, Man, we just started. But anyway, I want to continue it through as we sing this, this old song. I remember singing it high school, I think, at God's Bible School. Maybe one of the first places I heard it. Um, I sung. Pray for me, my voice isn't well, never has been. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to give it my best shot. From God's heaven to a manger, from great riches to the poor. Came the Son of God to seek and to save. From the azure halls of heaven to a rough and rugged cross, Jesus came and there his life he gave for all. Redeeming love. Knows no limit, redeeming love, a love that shall not die. My soul shall sing throughout the endless ages with choirs extolling. This great love on high And from a loving heavenly Father To a world that knew Him not Came the 
man of sorrows Christ the Lord and in my wanderings Jesus found me he bought my soul with his own blood gave to me a peace this world could not afford redeeming love a love that knows no limit redeeming love a love that shall not die my soul shall Ages with choirs extolling this great love on high. My soul shall sing throughout the endless ages with choirs extolling this great love on is just fine, Pastor. <laughs> Even though my wife might have chuckled when you said it wasn't. But are we blessed with a pastor that can sing? We had Mike Mater, who was a great, who could sing as well. And now Pastor Mark. <coughs> I was not trying to compare anybody. Okay, we're going to read the Bible. So, um, so Pastor is preaching today from Psalm 19, the whole psalm. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins, and let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word that speaks to us. I pray that you'd be with our pastor as he brings the message to us today. Help it to speak to us. Help us to be open to do what it says. Amen. Recently on Wednesday night, I shared Psalms 19, and I um, enjoyed it immensely. And so I thought I'd put more, even more time into the study of this psalm uh, this week, and I'm so grateful that I did, and I felt like it was something that would be worth sharing with the whole congregation uh, this morning. And so 
uh, one of the reasons why I chose uh, Psalms 19. Psalms 19 is one of my favorite psalms, and uh, to say that, I can tell you that it's not the only psalm that's a favorite of mine. Several are, but Psalms 19 is one that stands out in um, the Psalter that I, that I love, and it's rich. C.S. Lewis said this about Psalm 19. He said, this psalm reflects more than any other the beauty and the splendor of the Hebrew poetry found in the Psalter. He went on to say, he said, I, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. I would agree with C.S. Lewis on that. I believe it's one of the greatest poems in the Psalter and could possibly be one of the greatest lyrics in the world. And of course, many commentators view this psalm as one of the most magnificent of the psalms, both again for its poetic elegance and its not only poetic elegance, but it's also its theological depth. David here makes it crystal clear to us that no one is without excuse when it comes to God's existence. The question can ask why. Why is there no excuse about God's existence? From David's perspective, because God has given us both creation and his holy word, as proof of his existence. And so in the first six verses we find here, David develops a case for God's glory revealed in the vastness of the heavens. I don't have a PowerPoint this morning. I gave my secretary the week off. And so I told her not to worry about the, the PowerPoint. Um, but uh, so keep your Bibles out this morning, all right? Psalms 19, keep your Bibles out. I want you to follow with me as we go through this. Uh, maybe Sam has it back here, but uh, follow with me. In the first six verses, he develops a case for God's glory that is revealed in the vastness of the heavens. His character, um, God's character, according to David, is revealed in two ways. First of all, it's revealed in the heavenly bodies. David could see God um, in, in verses 1 through 4, the first four verses. He could first of all see him in the blue sky. When David talks about the heavens here, he's not looking past the sky into the heavenly bodies or into heaven itself, but he's looking at, he's, he, he's describing the blue sky. He can see God in the blueness of the sky. He can see God in the suns. He can see God in the clouds. He sees God in the sunrise. He sees God in the sunset. And I'm assuming that everybody that's under, hearing me this morning and listening sees God in the very same thing. Coming from Alabama, we moved from a place where there's a lot of trees so you would drive down uh, any given road there's trees on every side it's very difficult to see the the skies it's very difficult to see um of course in a distance to see sunrises and sunsets because of of the trees my wife as you well know was born and raised in birmingham alabama and so uh when we moved here the very first time to the midwest I thought that she would just despise the flatlands because we come, you know, Alabama's more hilly. And um, she, when we moved on and God led us out away from this area for a while, um, she said, I just, I'd love to die in Greenfield. I loved it in, in, that, in Greenfield. She told me that. And I just kind of took it as I thought, oh, she's not serious about that. And, um, and come to find out, she is, Okay. Uh, she loves the cornfields. She loves the flatlands. She loves to be able to see the sunrises and the sunsets 
um, every morning, especially in, in the evening. Um, some of you didn't even realize there was a sunrise. Um, but there's others that see that sunrise quite often and enjoy it. He's talking about the blue skies. He sees God in, 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 in revealing the vastness of the heavens in the heavenly bodies. So he saw the blue sky, the night sky. Talks about the moon, the stars, the distant galaxies. These together, David says, with their size, their awe, their grandeur, shouted to David and all who would see the God who created all this is glorious and this is evidence of his glory. When you look out there and see the beauty of the, of the, of the world that we live in and the grandeur and the vastness of, of the sky that is around us, you probably got to go west to see more of that grandeur when it comes to the big sky. Um, recently, uh, we went to Colorado again and saw that, and, and I've been uh, out west uh, several times, and the awesomeness of the sky. We celebrated our 30th anniversary, kind of celebrated it, in, in Alaska, and the beauty there was, was very evident, and, and, and God painted a beautiful picture, not only of the sky, but also the, the firmament around it, okay, the mountains that were there and the beauty. It just, wanted, it just made you want to sing, um, the hills are alive with the sound of music. That's what you wanted to sing. Or maybe you wanted to sing, how great is our God. Maybe that would be more spiritual, wouldn't it? Yeah. The blue sky, the night sky, it shows the grandeur of God. Because it's, David was saying he is glorious in his size, having created something so big. He is glorious in his engineering, having created something that works together so well. He is glorious in his, his artistry, having created something so beautiful. He is glorious in his goodness and kindness, having created something for all humanity to see. God is glorious, and we are without excuse when it comes to who he is. Not only do you see him in the blue sky, not only do you see him in the, in the daytime and the nighttime, he again sees him in the vastness of the sky. Knowledge, David says, is wrapped up in God's vastness or in the vastness of the universe. It reveals his wisdom. It reveals his creativity and his glory. The writer Kidner said this about the sky, revealing God's knowledge. He said, knowledge is well matched with night. Since without the night and without the night skies, Man would have known until recently nothing but an empty universe. If God had not placed the stars in the night sky, the blackness of the night would have communicated powerfully to all humanity, both ancient and modern, that there is nothing and no one out there. But when the darkness settles in, when the darkness falls upon us, and you have a clear night, you can go outside and look at the grandeur of, of God through the lens of the stars and the moon that he has so beautifully placed in our universe. And so David talks about this vastness, this vast sky, this beautiful blue sky. Obviously, David is enamored with God's creation. Again, I don't know about you this morning, but I'm enamored with the creation of God. And it doesn't take a whole lot for me to realize just by looking at creation that, I, that God is alive and he's real. You know, there's been times in my life that I've struggled with that. You think, well, I mean, you grew up in a Christian home. You've, you've, uh, you've had all the privileges that come with sitting in church and, and hearing God's word. But there was a time in my life when I struggled with, is there really a God? But one of the things that changed that in my life, and many did, but one of those things was to see the beauty, the grandeur of God's creation, okay? 
his creative powers in putting this world into existence. But he goes on to talk about not only in the, in the grandeur of God's um, creation, but he talks about um, also in language. He says, the glory of God in the visible heavens is for all to see. It is communicated to all mankind, no matter what their language. It is a message that has gone out through all the earth. In fact, again, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, he explained it like this. He said that God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and his Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What's he saying? We're without excuse when it comes to God's beauty that he has created for us. Regardless of whether you believe in a God or whether you don't believe in a God, the bottom line is when you look out there in the vastness of this world, you realize that, there, there's, that somebody has placed that there. To say that somehow it, 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 it gases erupting and, and, and forming the beautiful world that we live in, not just the intricacies of the mind and how the, bo- the human body is, is made, but also the vastness of this world. You'd be crazy not to, to think that somehow that just came into existence by uh, gases and, 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 and some kind of formations that happened over millions of years. Paul tells us that because this testimony had gone out through all creation, all men are without excuse for rejecting the God who gave us such clear, and I say also beautiful evidence of his power and his wisdom. The great philosopher Aristotle said, he said, should a man live underground and there converse with the works of art and and mechanism and should afterwards be brought up into the open day and see the several glories of the heaven and the earth, he would immediately pronounce them the works of such a being as we define God to be. And so language is, is not a barrier to who God is because, because of any language out there, um, regardless of what language you speak, you can look at this, the heavens and the universe and say, well, there's a God. There's a God. He went on to talk about, he compared earthly creations um, in verses 4 through 6. David could see God in, first of all, the tabernacle. He said the tabernacle was a place to hide the sun. David poetically described the nighttime sky as a dwelling place. He described it as a tent, a a tabernacle for the sun. He said the sun comes out of its tent every day to cross the heavens and it returns to the tabernacle at night. He also compared it to a bridegroom coming out of his chamber or as a strong man running a race. He talked about the fact that the sun makes its course through the sky with strength and with joy, like a man in his prime or an athlete that's running a race. That's his description of who God is, and it's, 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 it's done in such beautiful prose in the Hebrew context uh, of, of poetry. He sees God, uh, he sees the sun as, as, as a strong man. As a, man, as a man running. And a, a son brings joy. Y'all with me? Uh, I mean, you know, Midwest, right now, this is not a time you want to hang out here in the Midwest, okay, frankly. Um, the sun sh- does not shine too often. Uh, it's just 
it's just the way it is. I always remind myself, in this time of the year, some of you need to start doing the same thing, that before long, however long you may feel that is, okay, uh, May will be here, all right, and we, we have a lot of sunshine from, the, from, the, from May until October, amen? Keep it in mind, don't forget. In fact, there were, there were, this year, there were just literally weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks. We've had a dry year here. Weeks where it just was beautiful, okay? Very little humani- uh, humidity, all right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm just making a case for those in Tennessee that might be moving to this way. Just kind of give you guys a little, a little help here, right, to understand that the Midwest is a beautiful time during, during the time of harvest. Um, in fact, uh, you go to Tennessee, you go to Alabama, spring is a beautiful place to be at. Not so much here in the Midwest, but let me tell you something. I'd much rather have the fall here in the Midwest than I would in Alabama or Tennessee. That's just personal. Anyway, that would, I just, just threw that out this morning just for whatever reason. But I'm thankful for the, jo- the joy that sunlight brings. Amen? Make sure you're on your vitamin D regimen for the rest of this summer. All right, so you're getting that because you're not going to get it. I mean, summer, winter, because you're not going to get it unless you, you take it. Because uh, the sun doesn't shine that much. But I'm glad for its joy. I'm glad for its strength. And so David begins by, by talking about God's glory is revealed in the vastness of the heavens. But he goes on in verses 7 through 11. And he talks about God's glory revealed in his written word. Again, the prose here. The beautiful writing of poetry that David describes it as. David describes the glorious character of God and his word like this. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, and they're righteous altogether. Here David abruptly shifts from praising the God who reveals himself in creation to, per, to praising the same God for revealing himself in his word. It's kind of as if David said, creation tells us much about God, but his word tells us so much more. Two things here, according to the writer Kant. He says, fill the mind with every new and increasing admiration and all. The starry heavens above and the moral law within. God's word revealed um, through his word. I want to look at it. David talks about God's word as perfect, first of all, converting the soul. In other words, God's word is never wrong in science or history or the understanding of either divine or human nature. Peter said it gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It changes us. It converts us. It transforms a life. It's more than an intellectual knowledge. It radically transforms the inner man. That's the the power of the written word of God. God's word is perfect, converting the soul. God's word is sure, he said it. Secondly, it's reliable and certain. It is verified and is confirmed in heaven. As the psalmist wrote, would write in Psalms 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. I say this morning, you can count on it. Its truth is simple so that all who believe can be saved. 
God's word is right. God's word and the commands contained within are right. They are morally right. They are practically right. They are universally right. They are right because it is the revelation of a God who is holy, who is true, and he's always right. And he goes on to say, it makes my heart rejoice. Amen? I'm glad that I'm a Christian this morning because I'm on the right side. I'm on the winning side. Now, I don't have this attitude that, you know, the rest of y'all are losers. And that's not going to help people to, 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 to be interested in, in our faith, is it not? But I'm so thankful that I'm on God's side. Because his word is sure. His word is perfect. His word is right. And he goes on to say God's word is pure. Because God's word comes from a God who himself is pure and holy. Therefore, his words are pure. A pure God can communicate no other way. His words enlighten dark eyes. His words have set the captive free from the, very be from the very beginning of this world. He set the captive free because of his divine word. So it's a pure God. And a pure God, a holy God, has a holy word. David went on to say the word of God is clean. Therefore it will endure forever. It will never corrode. It will never fade away. It will not diminish because of impurity. It is clean, and it makes the corrupt heart clean. Praise God. The word of God is clean. It's not going to corrode. It's not going anywhere. Amen? Man, we've been watching the ups and downs of, of, of our culture over the last several years, especially since 2020 and the, the pandemic and before that, and all the stuff that's happening in this world. And it's very easy if you're not careful to, to get your eyes on that stuff and get very discouraged. Are you with me? People are burning down buildings and turning over cars and acting crazy and breaking into stores and stealing stuff and, and all the stuff that went on uh, over the last uh, several years. And boy, it looked dark. But then I looked at God's word. And then I, I began to, be, be, again, be reminded of the light that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it shall prevail. Amen? It shall prevail. So it said the word of God is clean. He went on to say God's word is true and righteous. There is nothing false in it or unrighteous. You've got to be reminded that, that King David wrote this with only a fraction of what we have today as the word of God. His portion was not as glorious as the complete revelation of God that we, re, that we enjoy. David would have had uh, probably the first five books of, of Moses, which would be Genesis to Deuteronomy, maybe Joshua and Judges, maybe a few Psalms, and perhaps Job and Ruth. And I think that we can only imagine this morning what King David would have written about Isaiah or even Hosea or the entire Psalter, much less any of the books of the New Testament. And so I believe we can say with confidence that God's word is far more glorious than King David ever knew. We have so much more to, in, in, our, in our hands to read and to study than even King David did. And we're going to go on and talk about what he says, how beautiful it is. By the way, I pray and hope that this is the number one book that you read this year. Somebody put their list of books out on, on um, 
on Facebook the other day, and that's fine. And uh, I guess they want people to know they read or whatever, or they want to know, want people to know how many books they've read, or I don't know, uh, whatever it is. You know, you, you get tempted to put your books out there. Look what I wrote. Look. <laughs> anyway. And I thought, I looked on that book list and I saw a bunch of pop, but I didn't see the Word of God. And I was very concerned about this Christian man that, that put all these other books out there. But it was, I hope and pray that at the top of your book stack, this one's on the top. Amen? God's holy Word. He said it must be, it, it, he went on to say it, that God's word warns and it must be obeyed. It warns us of the pitfalls of wealth. It warns us of susceptible sins. It warns us of hidden dangers both now and in the future. One of the great rewards of keeping the word of God is, is peace of mind. A quiet conscience is a little heaven. Uh, Spurgeon said this. He gave a story. He said uh, there was a martyr who was fastened to the stake, and the sheriff who was to execute him uh, expressed his sorrow that he should preserve in his opinions and compel him to set fire to the pile. And the martyr answered him. He said, uh, don't trouble yourself, for I am not troubling myself. He said, come and lay your hand upon my heart and see if it does not beat quietly. His request was com uh, complied with, and he was found to be quite calm. Now, he said, lay your hand on your own heart and see if you are not more troubled than I am. And then go on your way, and instead of pitying me, pity yourself. When you obey the word of God, when you read the word of God, it brings a calm assurance into the heart of the believer. And David's simply saying, hey, God in his vastness is portrayed in the beauty of the skies, in the beauty of God's creation, but it's also in the beauty of the word of God. He goes on in verses 12 through 14, and, he, and, he, and now he, 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 he switches to a prayer, and, and, he, and, he's, and his prayer is for moral purity here. So now we've kind of got out of the poetic side of it, and we're into the theological side of this wonderful uh, Psalm uh, 19. This is, there's some interesting theology here, and I hope you have your Bibles open this morning to look at it. Because David's prayer was for God to cleanse him, and he talks about two different types of sin in, this, in these verses. He first, first of all talks about ignorant sin or a secret fault or an error. The, the conscience of David is sensitive to any behavior that could be sinful. David wants full accountability to God even for sin that he was not aware of. Ezekiel chapter 45, verse 20. Numbers chapter 15, verse 28. Both of these talk about unintentional sins or errors. In the Old Testament, both needed a blood sacrifice because they were held accountable for them. This is a sin or error that does not separate us from God. In fact, in the New Covenant, that sacrifice was Jesus, 
and that sacrifice is efficacious and it covers all unintentional sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The word cleanses is an ongoing verb. The word cleanses is an automatic purifier that keeps us clean. When we become aware of that sin, you can use the word secret fault or error. There are several different versions that you can look at that, that would translate these Greek words differently. Then we confess it, and then God forgives it. Amen? In a prayer like David's, it may not be necessary today but I believe it cannot hurt the spirit of the one who wants to maintain a heart of purity as a New Testament Christian. Sins of ignorance. I received a book this week that I didn't order on my doorstep. It happens quite often as pastors. That book was a book that wanted to help me to understand the true definition of sin. I, dip, I deeply appreciated the book um, and uh, have read some of it and uh, um, have confidence in the man that wrote it. I'll tell you that. I'm a good man. There's just quite a different opinion of sin what we would call sins that are ignorant or that can't be considered a sin because there's nothing in, in the New Testament that would talk about sins of ignorance. It's only in the Old Testament. But the fact of the matter was, was, is that Ezekiel himself told his priest that at the, at the very first of every year, which would be tomorrow, that they were to, they were to have it. There was a blood sacrifice for sins of ignorance, sins that they did not know that they might not have, that they committed. You can call them faults. We can call them error. I hate to tell you this, but Scripture calls it sin. And uh, it's fine, whatever you want to call it. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm, I'm deeply concerned. I'm deeply concerned when we can be very critical of one another. We can gossip. We can have bad attitudes. We can have ugly spirits. It's not sin. It's just, it's a human fault or a human error. And I think that we as Wesleyans got to be very careful about that, folks. That it doesn't become something that we take lightly. Folks, I'm telling you something. David didn't take it lightly. He took it very seriously. And he went on to say, not only is, uh, is he's a, they call, he called them presumptuous sins. He goes on to talk about presumptuous sins. And, 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 and these are arrogant sins. These are willful sins. Some would say that's the only definition for sin. If it's willful, then we call it sin. That's fine. I, I have no problem with somebody defining that way. But there's an arrogance to them. 
In fact, Numbers chapter 15, 30, if you want to look there, calls them high-handed sin. David added this because he knew that his problem was greater than secret faults and unknown errors. And without God's help, which we see him praying for here, he was perfectly capable of committing presumptuous sins. Sins done in a proud and knowing way. Folks, take heed lest you fall. May we never get to the place where we take sin lightly. If we become arrogant about our self-righteousness, we can be susceptible to sin, and presumptuous sin separates us from God. Entire sanctification in the life of the believer aligns us with the Spirit of God, helps us to overcome sin, and helps us to walk diligently in obedience to the Spirit of God. There's a cleansing agent that David talks about in, in, in Psalms 51. That God cleanses us and he can make us pure and holy and we are to be holy people. Everybody believes that, folks. Let me just tell you something. Pretty much, even there's Catholics that believe that. Not all. Across the board, when you look at theology and you look at different denominations and groups of people out there, this is the message that they're bringing. They don't, they don't term it the same way we do, but they believe in holy living. They believe in, 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 in living a life that is, that is sinless. Now again, your definition of sin may be different, but they, they believe that. We believe it with all of our hearts. There's this prayer of surrender and purity that he goes on to talk about here in the last verses of, of this psalm. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over it one more time. I don't have it up there in my notes. But he says, Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also for sumptuous sins. Let them that um, not have dominion over me. Then I shall be what? Blameless and innocent of great transgression. And then he ends it with these, this beautiful, these beautiful words. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Folks, this prayer ought to be the prayer that every one of us pray on a daily basis. This, I believe, can be a prayer of, of, of heart purity, a prayer that David would be blameless and holy, we call it entire or complete sanctification. It's a prayer of, of asking God to thoroughly cleanse me from all sin, knowing my, my, my thoughts and knowing my words, knowing my heart. Only God knows that. May the meditation, may the things that I meditate on be holy and acceptable in your sight, oh God. Paul said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. 
Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Folks, as people who are living holy lives, we must pray that our lives are acceptable to God. Paul called it a living sacrifice that is holy and pure and acceptable to God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Why do we pray that way? Well, because he went on to say, because it's our reasonable service. As people have been, have been blood washed and people have been redeemed by the death and the blood of Jesus Christ, it's our reasonable service. Search me, O God, David said. Try me, Lord, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Folks, remind yourself, this is a man that, was, that God said is a man after my own heart. Sure, David had sin. But the difference in David and the difference in King Saul was David was a man that was always repentive, David was a man that was constantly seeking God. As, as the deer panted for the water brook, my soul pants after you, God. He was a man that prayed for a pure heart in Psalms 51. But even in the midst of all of those psalms that he wrote, uh, all those different psalms like 51, he also said, Lord, search me. Search me, Lord. Try me. Folks, when we come to the time when we partake of the sacraments, that's a time that we search our hearts. And we say, Lord, if there be wickedness in me, if there be anything within me, Lord, search my heart and cleanse it. Because John 1, 7 tells us that it's an ongoing cleansing, amen? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. It does not mean that we, that, that we go out and willfully transgress and willfully sin on a daily basis. God forbid, David, Paul said in Romans chapter 6. And in Romans chapter 7, we don't do that. We can be victorious over comers through the blood of Jesus Christ, amen? And so in conclusion today, I say for me, I choose to pray the prayer like David. David closed this glorious psalm with a humble surrender of his mouth and his heart to God. He knew that real godliness was not only a matter of what a man did, but also of what he said and what he thought in his heart. No, folks, I don't willfully commit sin every day. But may I never become so arrogant that I think that I can't. And so as we face another year, may we daily be reminded of God's immutability and glory when we look at the sky and when he re we read his word. Amen? A lot of theology there. I hope I was able to share it succinctly and carefully. But may this year be a year where we re be reminded of who God is every day that we get up, not only in the sunrise,
but at sunset. And seriously take God's word. And live by it. And be obedient to it. And pray this wonderful prayer. Lord. Know my inner thoughts. Know my secret thoughts. And may they be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Folks, the devil brings thoughts to our minds that are, that are ungodly. There's no question about that. There's nothing we can do to stop the devil from doing that. We can't do one thing. We don't have to. We don't have to listen, and we don't have to um, submit to those lies, to that temptation. Aren't you glad for that? But it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit working in the heart of the believer. Amen. That's why we must maintain a, a relationship with him and be filled. What's filling mean? Full obedience. Full obedience. You don't get more of him or more of him. Once you get saved, you have, you have his spirit within you. It's full obedience. Complete obedience. And we can live victorious lives. Holy and acceptable in his sight. I pray this will be just a wonderful year. We'll be, we'll be once again celebrating 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll have a prayer revival coming up, a weekend prayer revival in January. I'm, I don't know if it's on, the, on our calendar, but I forgot to tell you that. Um, but it'll be Friday, Saturday, Friday night, Saturday night, and all day Sunday. And looking forward to a prayer revival together, something different. Uh, Again, I've already ordered the books for this year. If you're interested, they should be here in the next few days. And again, another wonderful book by um, the Hendersons on how to, pr how to pray. And, uh, and so I'm looking forward to that 21 days of, of, uh, of prayer again. And so pray that God will just bless us in the new year. We'll be starting back our prayer, small prayer groups. That's an exciting thing. And looking forward to just concentrating on prayer together to see God bless our, our community, bless our little church, help us to reach the lost for Christ. Amen. That's why we're here. God bless you. Let's stand together. There won't be a service here this evening, so please take time with your families. Enjoy the, uh, the holiday, and, and uh, we'll be back here Wednesday night. And uh, Faith and Focus will start back up next Sunday night. Looking forward to that. It will be on prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Pray, Lord, that you'll apply it to our hearts. Go with us. Protect us. Keep your hand upon us. And, Lord, as we celebrate the end of this year and look forward to the new, may you, dear Lord, help us to be reminded of your word. And uh, as we look at the heavens and the skies above us, the firmament that's around us, and say thank you, God, because you exist, you're holy, you're true. And we praise you for that. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you. Dismissed.